Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage here in sunny Santa Cruz, California. What? What? Okay. <laughs> I'd sue over that thing. You can just what? It, why did you just make the fart noises with your mouth? Oh, did you do Fart machines never I go I can make them style. with something else, too. They mm-hmm. never. All right, whatever. There is never time I can do it that Jim doesn't laugh. <laughs> See? <laughs> get him every time. It's every like time. watching Knock get kicked in the nuts. You just get up and laugh. <laughs> it's, oh. it's a fun time. If you, hey, you everyone. This is Liza. And I was, um, I mentioned today, I was thinking of changing the name. I know we're like 400 and some episodes into this, but... <laughs> Thinking of changing the name to Motorcycles and Idiots. What do you think? No, it's Motorcycles They're... and Dipshits. <laughs> <laughs> we were, what were we, the United Colors of something earlier today? Uh, the, uh, United Colors of Benetton. Of dysfunction. Uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, hey, let's get to who is in the studio today. Um, looking all nice with a fresh haircut. It's not that fresh. <laughs> It's Dude, not a toupee or, or a haircut. Yes, it's a three. It's, it's amazing how good haircut. Dude, Com- he was just completely. I gotta changed. say, uh, you pimping that kind of lavender p- purple tie was fresh. You look good. <laughs> yes, son. any man who can wear handsome. lavender. Yeah, oh, yeah he rocked it's it. it's knock. Hey, how you doing, bitches? <laughs> All right, <laughs> way, way to win the crowd over. I do. I do what I can. <laughs> And of Explains course, I, I wanted to call everybody a bunch of dumb hoes, but that's not very nice. <laughs> no, that's not nice, Knock. It's not nice to the hoes that are smart. True. Yeah. Uh, running the board tonight, it's Stumpy John. What's up, everybody? Trying to walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> you got a lot going on over there. Yeah, Control uh, center. Running the board right now. Good on job. the classy girl couch tonight, after a long hiatus. Was it? Yeah, it's two weeks. Well, it seems that way, doesn't it? She's back. It's Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. And just before we went on air, me and Liza were singing a song, weren't we, Liza? Yes, we were. And um, ground control to Major Tom. Your circuit's dead. dead. There's (laughs) There's something something wrong. wrong. Can you hear me, Major Tom? Wow, that just went real bizarre. That's really wow. good for the sound guy, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, we enjoyed that. <laughs> um, but we'll it's, like, it it's, it's nice yeah. to be back. Yeah. And joining us on the Classic Girl Couch, I have to say how nice it is to have guests in person. Proper real guests. Yeah, we're breathing into each other's mouths and everything. It's great. <laughs> I know. This, who knows? The way things are going, we may be shutting the studio down again. We'll yeah. see. But for now, we get to have... Nice guests like Carla King. Hey, Carla. Hey, how are you doing? Good. I'm lost. You're enjoying. Where am I? You're enjoying the shit show, aren't you? <laughs> you think you're lost. We've been doing this for like ten years. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> fun group here. I'm here to say we have a lot of fun. Mm. And uh, over the this in the smartest chair in the room next to the open window. Yeah, the dumbest guy in the room. Just remember, walk past all open windows. It's Naked Jim. Hey, what's happening? And I must say, you look like you were having some fun earlier today on the mini bike. On the little tiny Ms. Carla. bike? Yes. Yeah. So I think you're <laughs> slowly getting indoctrinated into the... I am. It's in, yeah. You're a bad influence, all of you. <laughs> we are good bad influences. You are. Death Trap International. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, joining us uh, via Zoom from Sunny Veni- is it Veneta? Veneta, Oregon? Veneta, Oregon. It's Bagel. This is Major Tom, the ground control. (laughs) (laughs) Vanita, Vanita, Vanita. (laughs) (laughs) On. So, um, 
we've been having fun. Uh, let's see. Have you guys done any fun trips lately? I know, Knock, you, you borrowed my car. Yeah. So that was probably a break for you to drive a car for a while, not a bike. Dude, it's, you realize how uh, horrible people are when they drive. <laughs> if you're in a giant car, too, like it's it's really weird. Driving blows. Yeah, it's you know what? I was in traffic the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is hell. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I was literally like less than a half a mile from my home, and it took me 30 minutes. I'm like, mm, yeah, this sucks. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I was splitting lanes on Saturday on Highway 1, mm-hmm. and I had my cousin on the back. Uh, who's who's a mom and mm-hmm. you know I'm um, not used to riding on bikes but I was following the CHP protocol I was only going like 10 miles an hour well, faster sure I was on the KLR <clears throat> so you know you're not speeding yeah yeah I was that's like a bumper car anyway. you know and I was paying very close attention because I take it seriously when I have a passenger especially mm-hmm. a family member especially a a mother and a wife. So it wasn't a family mm-hmm. member you would take it less serious? Uh, well, you know, if it's, if it's an idiot. You or know. under the age of 12. But yeah. uh, I was just following protocol. And in her mind, there was a car that was just a little too close. Mm. And her reaction was to scream awesome. and to jump to the other side of the bike. Oh. 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 Yeah. Sudden shift of weight. Ah, ah. And no. I, I actually screamed at her. I'm like, don't do that! Stuntman bad. <laughs> like, your reaction to a non-situation created a very real situation. Yeah. It was quite scary. But, you know, I, it was interesting to be reminded. Something to me that I thought I was just doing quite easily. And many of the cars were getting out of the way, as they're trained to do here. Mm-hmm. There were two cars... That And I notice this, when they look in their mirror, they tend to pull towards the direction they're looking. Yeah. Maybe you guys have seen this. And they kind of came encroached. I'm not going that fast. So I was able to slow down and get past them. But to her, it was a death-defying act. And to me, it was just a, a regular yeah. commute. Human well, physiology. <clears throat> yeah. Slightly death-defying. It is a motorcycle. To be yeah. fair on her... You see, I'm going to go back a couple of years when we were in L.A., and I know I've talked about this before, so forgive me, but it was fun watching Liza lane split in dense L.A. rush hour traffic, 90-degree weather, and she had these giant saddlebags on her Mm -hmm. bike, which are made out of aluminium, Mm. and just (laughs) paneers gouging. The side of the <laughs> 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 And of course, there'd be these motorists who were getting rather angry about this because mm-hmm. they just had a brand new paint job on the Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And along comes Liza. <laughs> and then I show up. Just don't look back. And yeah, I mean, I had to deal with the fallout, basically. That's like when you pass a dog yeah. in the woods and the dog almost gets you and there's someone behind you. You're like, oh. <laughs> that's why I like <laughs> soft cases. I still do not own up to this. She says she witnessed it, but I also say, if you're bouncing off a car, you're going to feel it. I never, ever felt that I touched any car, because I'm the type of person who would pull over. I mean, you guys, That's John, right you saw answer. when I hit that truck, and I'm I like, did. make him stop. I want to get make sure I that give is, him my information. That is the politically correct answer, yes. So, yeah, I was <laughs> not aware of that, but so, anyway. I, mm. If you were driving your Mercedes in rush hour traffic in L.A. <laughs> about two years ago, and you got gouged by a KTM with aluminum panniers, um, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm <laughs> do more cocaine about it. Yeah, exactly. And, and just, my, my suggestion is do another line, and everything will be fine in the morning. And just remember to send your complaints 
to Phil at clevelandmoto.com. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Um, I did want to share some. I, I know I, I told some of you, but I'm still kind of rattled by this incident that happened yesterday. It's just, I'm still trying to figure out what happened. Uh, and, you know, others have given perspectives, and I'm sure Knox's perspective is, I'm the asshole, because that's usually what it's his good, go-to it's is. usually a good default, yeah. But um, I had an incident where I had my cousin on the back, and we went to a state beach to go meet someone else. And they had the entrance blocked because, as they, they said, they had a medical emergency happening. They had a fire engine and an ambulance parked in the entrance, so you couldn't get into the lot. And um, so they said, you need to, you know, Get out of the get out of the road. So there was a patch of dirt next to parked cars on the edge of the entrance to the park. You know, everyone's familiar with that that wedge that you have at the end of parking. You know that you can fit a bike into easily. You see them at grocery stores and everything. Oh, like a like the painted off island. Yeah, area. but this one was just dirt, and instead yeah, of mm-hmm. it being marked off, it was just brambles. But there was a no parking sign in front of it because. It seems that cars would try to squeeze into this spot and be sticking out, hanging out into the driveway. Mm. But I was able to pull my bike in. Uh, one of the uh, young rangers who was there waving traffic on said, hey, you can't park there. It's no parking. And I just responded, okay, thanks. I'm I'm just dropping someone off. I'm staying with the bike. And this guy in a car next to me, had nothing to do with anything, says, she told you no parking. I was like, whatever. I just ignored him. My uh, cousin went in. I stayed with the bike. I was just sitting on the bike, minding my own business. Uh, Not close to his car. I checked. It was five feet from my um, handlebars to his his Jeep. No, um, uh, what do you call, fire? um, uh, No fire lane, right? No, yeah, nothing. It's just brambles and dirt. And... uh, then I took my helmet off and I got off the bike and I was adjusting something on the bike, some straps on the rear bag. And then the young woman said again, you know, if you take your helmet off, they're probably going to take it and maybe tow you. I was like, okay. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting here with the bike. Well, then the guy in the Jeep decided that it was, uh, you know, his job to jump in because he said, you know, you're, he said, you're an asshole. And I just looked at him and I said, I'm I'm not sure what your issue is with me, dude. And he said, uh, because they already told you twice you cannot park there. They're dealing with a medical emergency and you don't give two shits about it. I'm like, dude, I am not impeding anyone, obstructing anything, near anyone, bothering anyone, talking to anyone. I'm I'm out of the way. I got out of the roadway. The safest thing to do, you know? And I said, you know, I think you're the asshole. And which is unusual for me to actually like yeah. really confront somebody like that. Yeah. But he had said something before and I just, I felt really almost kind of attacked from just <laughs> the, from the Rangers and him. Like, I, I'm, you know, I'm not leaving the bike. I'm not like, can there possibly be an exception to the rule here, which the rule is there for cars who, you know, are out and, I just thought it was so weird. I I just wondered if it was a bias toward motorcyclists, you know? No, I think you're overthinking it, Liza. I, you know, I think I, I am going to give you, and again, we talked about this earlier, but I'm going to give you a misfits top tip. Yeah. And that is people are going through a lot right now. Just, 
be kind to True. one another. Yeah, and that's the other thing. There is this pressure cooker thing. Yeah, you know, when it it, 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 none of it matters about which side of the political divide you're on or which side of the vaccination divide you're on. Or it, it, None of that matters. We're all going through a great deal right now. And there's a lot to be very, very happy about. And there's a lot to be kind of frustrated about. And, you know, people are a little bit more impatient than they should be. And oftentimes they're, they're not really as kind as they should be to one another. So yeah. um, just be kind to each other. That's a Emma Pearl of wisdom right well, there. Well, you know, it's, it, it, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes, I think, has a lot of value here. You know what? I will add to this, though, and this is something I bet you every single person uh, in this here, room here can agree is. to. Here it is. There is not adequate parking for motorcycles anywhere. That's true. Yes. Yep. Anywhere. It's the thing, though. Know, like, I've had people tell me to park my bike on the sidewalk. I'm like, are you going to pay for the ticket that I get? Like, I mean, I would like to. I would like to park in a nondescript area where nobody runs into it. But, like, I'm not allowed right. to, bro. You yeah. Know? yeah. And the alternative, if I was to leave that and drive up the hill to park in the dirt on an uneven surface, like, and occupy an entire car space. I mean, yeah. none of the alternatives are good. I've had this in many cities that I've oh, yeah. lived in. Um, People, I, I don't know why there isn't more motorcycle not parking. Enough, not enough bikes around to begin with. But right, like, I know it, about the dirty look that people give you when you take up a whole parking lot space. Yeah. It's like, I get it, but it's like... Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you why from like a public planning standpoint, the real reason there's no advocacy, right? We talk about mm-hmm. American mm-hmm. Motorcycle Association, all the good work they do, um, but they're so limited in resource size. You look at some other organizations like BPAC, Bicycle Pedestrian Coalitions, for example. Mm. Those dudes pull a heavy ore. I mean, they get millions of dollars of road improvements a year in cities in our area um, but they have advocacy and i think that's where motorcycling you know why we need to support these organizations because that's how you because it's public planning so you mm-hmm. got to show up at a public planning thing and say hey i reviewed the parking thing there's no motorcycle parking and if enough people advocate for it it'll get in but i see this and no one goes to advocate for motorcycle stuff and funnily enough uh yesterday when i was uh i think for dinner yesterday I use my scooter as a mobility scooter for myself and my dad, who can barely walk now. He's he's much older. So when everyone walks to dinner, because we have so many restaurants within walking distance, he and I just ride the scooter there. And I went down onto the wharf for dinner um, to meet our family. And they have motorcycle parking on the wharf. There's mm-hmm. a few spots mm-hmm. that we know of. And there were three motorcycle parking spots across from the restaurant we are going to. One Harley was taking up two spots. And then uh, there was a second bike no, on the third is. spot. So I pulled into the to the dining section. They have outdoor dining now. I just pulled into the dining section <laughs> and yeah, parked my scooter there like for my, to let my dad in? get off. Because I'm like, fuck it. You know? But to that yeah. point, remember there used to be yeah. motorcycle parking at the very end of the wharf. So if we were going to go to the Dolphin yeah. or Stagnero Seafood Counter, there were two there. Yeah. They closed those off recently to allow for more seating. Hey, wait, yeah. What were you going to say, Emma, about the the parking and shit? No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. Well, I, I was actually going to ask Carla, who's mm-hmm. been many countries, is this the only place that is so screwed up about motorcycle parking? Yeah, you just, yeah, I just remembered uh, the first time I went to Europe, I was amazed. Um, there's motorcycle parking everywhere. People drive with an awareness of both motorcycles and bicycles because everybody's grandchild and grandma 
is on a scooter or a bicycle or even a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. So there isn't that attitude at all. And also, of course, they don't have subsidized gas prices. Mm -hmm. And so it is a real mode of transportation that they need to afford, be able to afford to go shopping and go to school and all that. Yeah, so it's a lot different there. It's a lot safer. There aren't the sort of brand-specific um, hostilities, you know, yeah. between each other. Right. Also, you know, uh, that's that's the thing about advocacy that you were saying, Jim, that um, I think the motorcycle industry doesn't get together. The motorcyclists don't get together because we're all sort of stuck in our own little brands mm-hmm. or cultures. And there are these big organizations like the AMA who try to do it all and not everybody's a member. So it's very difficult to advocate, especially in small towns. And Santa Cruz definitely should have more parking. So, so here it comes. And mm-hmm. we haven't said this for a while. This is a motorcycle podcast. It's not a political podcast. It's not a health podcast. You know, it's not a social advocacy podcast. It's a motorcycle podcast. <sighs> but as political as we're going to get is join the AMA. If, you, if you're Fair not enough. a member of the AMA and you ride a motorbike in America, you should be. I think we need to petition to make parking wedges everywhere, mm-hmm. automatic motorcycle parking. Yes. Like yeah. Every grocery store has you know, them. Well, the, only, the only place you lost your footing on your argument was there was a sign that said no parking. So mm-hmm. I've gotten... I, I've gotten tickets for all sorts of like trying to be yeah. sneaky about parking. Now I just take up a whole spot and I put a quarter in the meter or whatever. Cause your ticket's just the same if you have a bike or right. a car. So I don't mind yeah. doing that. But yeah. um, it, it's so sneak so, around uh, in little spots. It's just like, is, gets old. But the problem was there was a sign that said no parking. If you see a wedge and there's no sign, you're good to go. Yeah. If there's signs, you're like, uh, So according to Jerry Springer, it says, you are the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, the, the, the only caveat of that, mm-hmm. uh, just using the wedge, and you've got to be very, very, very careful about this mm-hmm. is is if there is any parking for people with a disability yeah. nearby mm-hmm. make sure you're not encroaching on access to oh, yeah. that you should be clear of um, only encroach on the left side of their van <laughs> yes <laughs> that that's side. what Liza was doing <laughs> well you know who else is uh not wanting motorcycles around who that is pike's peak Yes, yeah. I saw oh, that. Yeah, it's the end of an era, bro. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder why they canceled it's dangerous it. as fuck. I guess you know, people, but there's a lot uh, of arguments about Isle of Man and yeah, any he, other racing. Isle of Man is over there, and it's run by death cultists. And they have, motor- <laughs> <laughs> they have motorcycle parking <laughs> over there. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, Jim, we rode up it at a snail pace. Oh God! On our our bikes, and it was still. Like, once you're on it, you're like, holy shit. We had a book of adventures just from the bottom to the top and back again. There's like a hobbit book. No guardrails. You almost got taken out by a marmot. I do. No, no, they're they're not banning all motorcycles, are they? It's just racing. No, just for the race, Pikes Peak race. Yeah. 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 Uh, Carla, have you ridden up there? I did. Uh, When I was 16, my family (gasps) moved from uh, North Carolina to San Jose, California, and we had this gigantic. RV, this gigantic <laughs> camper. Before it was paved and like halfway up the top or what? Yeah. Like, and we went, well, yeah. because my dad is like that, you know? Yeah. And uh, oh so here we go. So yeah. You know where I got my thrill seeking from. <laughs> and uh, oh it was, God, how it was <laughs> awesome. Because those right. hairpin turns, right? Hairpin turns. Yeah. You didn't want to be no behind joke. us. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. <laughs> my absolute favorite era of 
Pikes Peak Racing. It's the very, very early 60s. Oh, you're talking mm. about Talbot years. Well, the Talbot years, because the bikes were cool. Yeah. But the cars were great. Because you were seeing, yeah. like, 20-foot-long Ford Galaxies mm-hmm. just flat out going up there on the dirt. Mm-hmm. And it was just wild ride. You can still find footage from it. It's an amazing yep. spectacle. Starts out as a road race and it turns into a rally at the top. Right, exactly. <laughs> I do love that Talbot story. There's that picture of him and like mm-hmm. like a hundred other dudes charging up in the snow, and they're wearing like you know uh-huh. bandanas and open face helmet. Yeah, open face work gloves, tassels. Uh-huh. You know, a bunch of hippies. And uh, but yeah, it's a great picture. But you said they got to the top. It was sub zero. People were freezing, getting frostbit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Crazy. Yeah. Well, great we, stories, Carla. There. When we were up there. Mm-hmm. It started hailing, and we had to ride down mm-hmm. in a hailstorm. Oh, no. How was yeah. that? The downhill too sketch. Downhill is yeah. I get very scared about downhill because that hill. back wheel can just you know come out around the front so easily. I mean, we yeah. were taking it very slow. Yeah. I was on a KLR. He was on his uh, CRF two fifty mm. rally. Um, we were in no rush. So it was your last. Not when it started hailing. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. No, not like when we were on the other mountain during oh, the lightning storm the lightning, we were that same rushing. day then we were charging out of there as lightning was hitting trees in the woods trying near to, us trying to so get small. we were like oh. trying to get small was there, uh, riding blind hypo- in that rain hypothermic too i was wearing clothes that were God, like basically okay. a sponge just so you know the end of that story is we decided to leave colorado that day yeah <laughs> colorado <laughs> whipped our so, uh, ass. <laughs> what, what, oh yeah uh, what was your pike's peak uh, hill climb time <laughs> yeah, forty five yeah. minutes an hour. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it was fun. Um, but I mean, she just hinted at some of the great adventures. Let's get into Carla yeah. King is with us. <laughs> Carla, thanks Rock for joining star. us. No, um, it's, it's Carla, darling, not Karma. And who is Carla King? Who is this Carla King? Yeah, where did you come, come from? Come, 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 come you just yeah. showed up a couple weeks ago. Yeah, well, I come from a little farm in North Carolina, okay. <laughs> <laughs> where where I uh, saw uh, a motorcycle I, in the garage and said, "Dad, I need to get away." Wait, were you born a bastard child? <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. It's much more exciting. It's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, well, let's get to how you ended up here in Santa Cruz. You moved here recently. I moved back here recently. Yeah. You know, after I. Um, Left high school and worked in San Jose for about a year. I hightailed it over here. I just, you know, I was only mm-hmm. coming here during my senior year of high school anyway. Mm-hmm. Going I to, used to cut school and come here Oh my too. gosh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder that they let me graduate actually. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I've lived here many times, several, three or four times in four to five year stretches. Mm-hmm. And I've loved it. But then, you know, I'm a committed renter. I live somewhere a few years. I travel. I come back. I find another little cottage behind some house somewhere, which are, you know, it's so easy mm-hmm. here. These mm-hmm. All these little in-law units. And it's, uh, yeah, so I was living in Southern California and then in Baja for a stretch. And Ooh. I was like, ready? Jim wants more information. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're already talking about desert things. We Please were, tell me more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's time for me to, you know, it's time for me to be back here. I've really been longing for the redwoods and the beach and the vibe, you know. It's just so without comparison. So you showed up here a few weeks ago. What, what, mm-hmm. what brought you to us? Michelle Lampier brought you, yeah. me to you, actually. Aww. Yeah. Go visit the reference. chalet in well, Western She's South like, Dakota. there are these wild people downtown. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Who are these people? Exactly. Nice. 
wild and crazy people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been really fun hanging out with you for a few times here. Um, gets better and better each time, I have to say. Yeah. But you see, right now, everyone's thinking, well, who is this Carla King? Who is this? You're an authoress. You yes. are an advocate. You're a long-distance motorcycle adventurer. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, yeah. I'm calling her an adventuress. I, I like I like her. You can say Not, that again. What, what did you have earlier? Was it a moto laureate? Oh yeah, a moto laureate. Dude, yeah, that's love a good that. one. Fresh. I love that. I'm gonna run that by Ted Simon. <laughs> see if he'll be the like the first moto laureate. <laughs> uh, that's a good. You have one. to have yeah. a pen that's if like a feather. A, if you rode an Italian bike, you could have been a Ducati Literati. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh man! Not to be confused with the Italian <laughs> Spider Man. You were <laughs> dropping golden eggs left and right, son. Um, Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. you you were smart enough you started at the beginning so there's a very very young Carla who mm-hmm. discovers this motorbike in a mm-hmm. barn and is clearly tired of dad's company <laughs> it was just you know when you're 14 you just yeah, have well, to get away yeah no matter right? how cool your parents are as a 14 year old they are mm-hmm. the worst people in the world mm-hmm. and so exactly. your exit from that family was a motorbike. Yes. Well, I always had to come back every night before dark. Oh, but, bad you luck. Know, I know. Darn oh, it. Bad show. And basically, I used to have to either uh, fix it or ride it because it was an old bike. It was a, a Honda 125. What did we decide? S- SL? CL? CL or SL. I don't really even really know. But it was cranky and it would kind of fall apart and... I had the choice, ride it or or, uh, or not push ride it. it. Yeah, and luckily my dad had started early with me in mechanical things. He always needed an extra hand. I'm the oldest in the family of the children, and so he was always like, "Carla, we gotta fix the brakes on this car. Or, Carla, we gotta, you know, uh, unstick this carburetor or whatever." I was right. always that extra hand, and my hands were really. Of course, I was a kid. They were really small, so we always had my hands up in the engine doing, you know, uh-huh. something. So I learned. I I learned how to, you know, we learned how to change a tire because he's like, not having any daughter of mine being victim to somebody on the road right. <laughs> who's going to take advantage of her because she can't change her tire. But it, this per- empowerment that it gave me, I did not appreciate it at the time. I have to say, you know, I wanted to be doing other things. But it didn't take me long before I was like, oh, thank you so much. Right. M- created this um, competence. Um, Wait, if you were in North Carolina, you would have said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. <laughs> there, there you go. But you see, we, we've already established the motorbike connection because, mm-hmm. as we said earlier, we are a motorbike podcast. Mm-hmm. So you've been tooling around on this little Honda 125. Mm-hmm. And then... And then we moved to California. He got uh, transferred with IBM, and we we moved to San Jose. And he had a 250 Scrambler, Honda Scrambler there that I adopted sometimes. But then it was later. I I didn't motorcycle for quite a few years. And then I got married. This is on the front of my book. Is this, this, this story? I have a question. Yes. What year did you move to California? 74. Oh, okay. I moved here from Virginia in 76. Y'all, get out. Get out. That's right. 
Wow. Yes. Except Darn it. I didn't have a parent with a motorcycle. That is interesting. Though. IBM in 74, that's like cutting edge of the whole silicon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there were only prune yards around. Yeah. That, well, that yeah. aerospace aero yeah. stuff. Like, it also yeah. was a great motorcycle time. It for, was for because here, I yeah. just, you know, point yeah. the bike in the hills there where yeah. there are all these companies and we had you know, raceways golf courses. and flat yeah. tracks going on. Yeah. Right. Great racers came from here. What a great time yeah. here. As a little side note, you know why Silicon Valley is in Silicon Valley? All comes out of Stanford. Oh yeah, it, oh, yeah. all yeah. roads lead back to Stanford yeah. because a lot of people have said, "Why Silicon Valley in San Jose?" Everything goes back to the engineering mm. department in Stanford. No offense, Cal, we love you too. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's the Stanford engineering it wasn't department. You see Santa Cruz, <laughs> and I think you see you see Santa Cruz kind of played a role. Fiction. Pulp Fiction, but. Much later, yeah, yeah, that that, that came along later. The the crucible, you know, the the actual start of it, which was probably right around the time your dad came, mm-hmm. um, was was the whole Stanford thing. Anyway, so mm-hmm. there you are. Valley of the Heart's content. As yeah, there I am, and um, this is in the first chapter of American Borders, I think. Um, right, my motorcycle ride around the U.S. on a. Russian sidecar motorcycle. I'm showing it to the camera. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Do you, yeah. So, all right. Well, you, you've so you got to, back you, into bikes. Yeah, I was going to say, you've jumped ahead quite a few and years. I, and I so. like the story. It was through a husband. Yes. Who became a husband? Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> I see what you did oh, like there. That. A husband. Yeah. So you want to explain why he became a husband? Well, yes. Style, huh? Oh my gosh. Uh, we had bonded because of motorcycling yeah. and adventuring and all of that. But um, we both worked in Silicon Valley. I was a technical writer. He was an engineer, of course. And every year we were supposed to go to Europe and. F- rent bikes there weren't the bike rentals or the tours Mm -hmm. like there there are now and find bikes and ride around um italy because he has italian heritage and france because i'm just a francophile i love (laughs) france i knew i loved france i hadn't been there exactly Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, he's he, bagels. Oh, don't even get yeah, Stop showing off bagel. Don't much. encourage him. <laughs> you look like a bunch of scumbags. Yes, yeah, we say, are say, pretty cultured. Start talking about your Ural, and he'll start speaking oh, gibberish. Good. Okay, good. I look forward to that. Actually, so but, um, so yeah. So to continue, uh, I waited to go on this fabulous vacation with him for a few years, and he was always really busy. And so I just <laughs> went by myself, and I'm like, "Honey, book your own ticket and rent your own motorcycle, and I'll see you there if you want." <laughs> and I got on that plane. I remember San Jose Airport, um, you know, when you had to walk across the tarmac. Mm-hmm. And I got on that mm-hmm. plane to Milan, and then uh, cha- yeah, to um, yeah, to Milan, and I was like, "Oh God." I'm going to go by myself to, you know, Europe by myself. And I already knew my marriage was pretty much over. (laughs) And so I got to Milan and I picked up the um, uh, Honda 750 touring bike. Yeah. What was that? I can't even remember, Emma. Well, Tell it had me. to be a CB. CB yeah. 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 I mean, it has to be some kind In of. In Europe, though, it might not have been. Yeah. Right. Anyway, it did have a big radiator on the front that when I got to the north of France and I it, it got rained on a lot, right. it quit. So I had to you know, oh, camp in the business. rain. Yeah. What's that all about? <laughs> yeah. I mean, was it like an adventure bike or a touring bike? Was it, it was like a, a touring. Do- was it a Deauville? 
So the guy who who uh, what, rented it to me was from Holland. He, what, what year would this be? This would be 88. Oh, oh late 80s. Like yeah. so Maybe a it wasn't a gold oh, wing. Not no, a, not, it's a, too, not a 750. And not a silver wing. Tra- it wouldn't be a Transalp then. No, it wasn't a Transalp. It wasn't as cool as that. It was just a plain old you know, bike with panniers and a windscreen. And mm-hmm. it just... It quit on you. Well, yeah, that I always I looked at that front radiator. I'm like, this is very strange, right? I was well, the radiator wouldn't be the thing making it quit. It sucked in all the water. Yeah, no, no, No. even in the pouring, pouring rain. Probably electrical. No, that's not that. Yeah, it was probably electrical. You think? Yeah, Yeah, the radiator is. But nevertheless, we're focusing on the bike breaking down. We want to focus on the good stuff. You got a bike by yourself and ride around. And I was like, I'm getting the heck out of Italy because I wanted to go to France, and I sulked all the way through Italy. Mm. I actually went, got to um, the coast, and uh, got to this little tiny campground, and um, there were about four or five people there just besides me, and they were all on their way elsewhere. And one night. the the owners came around and asked if we wanted pizza. Well, you know, because that's what they said. That's the only thing I can understand. And oh my gosh, I got my first real Italian pizza. Uh, Have you? Uh, it's a life changing experience. It no. completely yeah. is. They made it right there. She put eggs in the flour, and that was that. It was mm. incredible. Whoa, margarita pizza. Ah, oh, I love it. So then I turned west toward France, and I sulked for a few more days, and um. <laughs> And then one day I took my map off. It was kind of cloudy to the south and sunny to the north. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I I just put my map away. And I had been, you know, following a planned route till then. And I just followed the sun. And that just made me happy. That was the moment. Like putting the map away. I am woman, hear me roar. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's... It reminds me. I don't need powerful. no man for it's a this Beatles trip. Song. Well, Someday it reminds me of a very poignant moment at the beginning of Easy Riders, where um, uh, Peter Fonda takes off his watch, takes off his watch, and throws it away. Mm-hmm. And the, the symbolism there, of course, is mm-hmm. that time has no meaning, and sim- very similar symbolism for you. I mean, it's mm-hmm. this is not a structured journey anymore. Mm-hmm. Life changing. It was. Cool. Of course. I mean, and then, um, I also hadn't been talking to, to anybody much. In the next campground, I parked next to some uh, people. And there, I, I, I was in my tent, and I thought that there were nuts or something falling off a tree onto my tent. Mm. Jim, pay and attention. And I kept looking. Yeah, he's this, this like is your, this. Your rule comes up I was, looking, I was here. trying to find her bike. Your okay. rule comes up okay. here. Like, if it's yeah, all right. So I kept getting out of my tent and looking around and I, there were some Germans on my left and some Brits on my right. And, and I'm kind of looking around, they're looking at me strange. And finally I see this guy behind the fence and he, I'm like, what? Yeah. He's been throwing rocks at the tent. Like what? Oh my gosh. And uh, so I walk over there and I'm trying to like figure out what he wants. And he pretty quickly showed me cause he, Pulled down his pants and started jerking off. Right in front of me. Oh, oh, nice. oh, fabulous! I know. That's no, that's not the rule I was talking about, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, yeah, Jim. <laughs> and we're going to go to the <laughs> desert <laughs> together. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I hope you shot him in the dick. But it that gets so cool. It gets better. No guns in France. Oh right? yeah, true. Yeah. True. <laughs> it gets better because I was so affronted. You know, I stomped over to the camp office, and I was just. 
just out of my mind. I couldn't believe this was happening to me. And then I was faced with the owner, this elderly gentleman who didn't speak any English at all. So I found myself pantomiming everything. Oh, no. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, can we oh, get, my God. Can we get a reenactment? It's audio. Oh, my God. No, it's wow. video, too. <laughs> wow, that sucks, dude. Well, and then, he, you know, to make me feel better, he goes, oh, Pierre. Oh, you know, and he stopped uh, off to find Pierre. Oh, Pierre. After yeah. shenanigans. Fucking dirty Pierre. I know. <laughs> was there any helicopter? I wonder what Pierre's doing so, today. <laughs> in, you know, that was my first night of really bonding with my neighbors because they had seen this go on. And <laughs> so they, oh, the so Germans gave me oh, beer, no. right? We all had a party uh, thanks so to Pierre. You were and traumatized collectively. Is that what happened? Exactly. Oh, no, no, they were laughing, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was not <laughs> the story I thought you were going to tell. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> had nothing to do yeah. with that. I was thinking more about VF750 and oh, Yikes, could be. that would be more sport bike, right? No. Okay. Um, I was thinking more about, and maybe this is jumping too many steps, but you said it pays off to talk to strangers. Well, yeah. Not Pierre. Not Pierre. <laughs> not Pierre. No. Definitely not, not Pierre. Pierre. <laughs> or Pierre's little friend. But that's one yeah. of Jim's rules. Uh, and mine too. Oh, to talk to people for talk sure. Talk to people because yeah. you never know sure. who you're going to meet and what's going to come of it. But no, true. couldn't, wouldn't you say that your career has come from that? Uh, well, that or just um, being helplessly broke down on one of my crazy <laughs> motorcycles on the side of the road going, mm, I've got the multimeter out, I'm underneath it, and kind people stop and mm. ask, offer to help. So talk to strangers. Yes, you're well, right. Are there any countries that are like super friendly as opposed to others that maybe aren't so much? What are like the most friendly countries where people help you? You know, okay, so... I wouldn't have expected China to be friendly. And my China trip was in 1997, 98, and then I went back in 2008. And um, in 97 um, and 98, they had never seen a foreigner ever. Mm -hmm. And so I would appear and they would just stand there staring at me. Oh, and you're blonde, which makes it even more. I was. Yeah. And tall. Not even a woman. I was more like an alien from outer mm -hmm. space right. or an animal, right? <laughs> it wasn't a sexual being or a woman or anything. They would just stare because, um, you know, there are no, in the countryside, there were no tour tourists. And mm -hmm. the only, they had government controlled TV back then. They still kind of do, but the only um, um, foreigners they saw were uh, like, the Russian kids going through the garbage, you know, during that era mm -hmm. um, when it was becoming uh, dis disunited. Um, so, you know, like North Korea, almost they thought that they had this great life and everybody else was really suffering because that's what the uh, government right. media was showing them. Right. So I come up on this huge Chinese motorcycle sidecar motorcycle that I thought was indigenous, but nobody had ever seen one of those too. They have those little farm bikes, right? The little mm, yeah, 125 yeah. CC ag bikes, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely I was a complete spectacle, but when I broke down and I broke down often, mm -hmm. I would have a hundred people coming to my aid. They would drag me, um, my, they would tow my bike behind one of those little three mm -hmm. uh, wheel tuk-tuk things, farm tuk-tuks. With a chain, they take me to the motorcycle shop, the repair shop, which you could recognize because there were 
you know, dozen broken motorcycles out in the front yard. And, um, and then there would be a banquet in my honor and I would stay the <laughs> oh, night, you yeah. know, or two nights or three nights. It was awesome. How cool. So I, I think that we've kind of so cool. got ahead of ourselves a little bit now because <laughs> we've gone from France to China. Mm. Just give a brief rundown of the countries you've ridden a motorcycle through. And you can, yeah, you there can, there are a few, and I haven't. I actually had to write notes. All right, right. so here, mm-hmm. here we go. Let's let's hear this. Right. Okay. So, um, eighty-eight was the France trip, right? And then um, in ninety-two, I wanted to ride a motorcycle through West Africa, Ooh. but mm. I talked to Chris Scott. Who you know, Chris Scott? Mm. Oh yeah, he writes all of the over sort of overlanding okay. and. Um, remote places books and we wrote letters back and forth about west africa Mm. and he also like me also bicycles and i decided to take a bicycle instead because they sell gas in little tiny bits and you can't you know you're likely to run out of gas before you want to get to where you want to go Mm -hmm. so i spent four months in west africa on a bicycle okay well that counts as adventure it was crazy. I love that. Oh, I just I, want to add whoa. in a side note because you're also a mountain biker and you yeah. were here in California for the birth of the mountain bikes, yeah. which really came from Mount Tam up in Marin. Yeah. That's Did where it? They, yeah. That's where they came from. Yeah. I was early. I was so early that I would get yelled at by the hikers here. Yeah. Do you yeah, remember right. those days? Yeah. And people were modifying 10 speeds and all that yeah. stuff. Anyway, yeah. so back to the list. So we've got. 92 in Africa. I love how organized you are. Okay, so 92. (laughs) Taskmaster. All right. And then um, 94, I had come back from living in Europe, and I decided that I wanted to explore the borders of the United States, Canada, Mexico. Right. Mm. And I wanted, because my friends in Europe would say, what's America like? Yeah, yeah. And I said that's terrible. I don't (laughs) know. And they're like, well, you have the biggest, most interesting country in the world, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I thought, okay, I'm going to get on a motorcycle and explore. Mm-hmm. And um, I was looking for the the right bike, and I was rejecting Harley's because that was just too cliche. And um, this guy, my dad's friend Chuck, saw the Ural that the Ural was being imported from Russia in '94. This guy wanted to import them. And, and I want to be clear: you said you were trying to find the right bike. Uh huh. Okay, just. Just double check in there. Because yeah, for most like, people, that would not be the right bike. <laughs> but nevertheless. Especially by yourself. Well, yeah. I was, I had just sort of become a travel writer as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, was, so you're seeking adventure. I was seeking like no more Silicon Valley yeah. technical writing. But so I was transferring my skills to like PC world, reviewing laptops and GPS units and things like that. Oh, wild. Yeah. Okay. You remember those days? Dude, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People still do that, but it's like it's a different format. Now. No, but, yeah, but anyways, it was yeah. a game changer, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's because, like nobody yeah. did that back then. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had this inroad because of my technical experience into PC World and those magazines. And that gave me the opportunity to propose to travel, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, test them out. And so... Um, I went to a writer's conference. That's awesome. A travel writer's conference in Corte Madera at yeah. Book Passage. It was the first year, and I met a man named Alan Noren, who worked for O'Reilly and Associates. 
And if you're a geek at all, you know this, they, they do all the computer books. And they were experimenting with this thing called the World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. And they had tried to get their very experienced, very famous travel writing journalists to go on trips and report back on this internet thing. But they were blowing up their modems by um, putting the um, uh, plugging the modems into a digital PBX system at the hotels. Mm-hmm. So they they <laughs> would go for a week or two, and they would blow up their the the whole point of it was to report mm-hmm. back to the road. So when the guy heard that I was a geek and a tech writer, he's like, "You're hired." Yeah. You got, you got the tech angle going for it, too. Yeah. That's cool. And it was a real break. It was a real right place, right time thing. Right. Yeah. And then my then my um, dad's friend identified the URL, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so cool. Like, I, I just saw it as an opportunity to, you know, meet people because it, it was just, I mean, who wouldn't want to talk to it, me? It's quite a polarizing motorcycle. There's <laughs> very few... Um, Neutral opinions about urals. So it's a very good way to meet But a great, like, icebreaker, right? Oh, absolutely. So you go on Mm -hmm. this trip Mm -hmm. um, and you explore the southern and the northern borders. How many times did you break down on that urinal? Oh. (laughs) More than 20? That was a big sigh. More than, yes. More than 20. Okay, very good. But to be fair, I wrote to, yeah, I wrote to the importer and he's like, we can't even ride this thing a hundred miles without it breaking down. You know, oh. do you want to be into that? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good mechanic and it seems right. simple and I want to do this journalism trip. And, and so he goes, okay, here's the bike. Yeah. Um, and he, I spent a few days in Bellingham and we worked on it. I learned how to ride a sidecar and fly the chair. And that's really important because yeah. um, there different. have been a few times that I've almost flipped. And if I didn't know how to handle it on the two wheels, I would have flipped. So would it be fair to say that you're probably one of the first, if not the first pe- people person to like a do sidecar trip in the states or or like yeah i'd imagine just very few at that point right like no there were none there were none okay i don't i think um this guy named claude stanley he does freedom motorcycles i think there were people modifying you know larger bikes to carry Mm -hmm. the old um what do i want to say stibing yeah sidecars Mm -hmm. and so they were painting them and but really it just wasn't a thing and yeah. now now you see them everywhere but yeah. literally i would have kids press to the windows waving at me yeah and people would stop me in restaurant parking lots and yeah i, I guess that's specifically a year all then you're probably right. the first one to do it so huh? this was yeah. 94 how long did that trip take four months four months yeah nice do you have any memorable Ural passengers like a goat or <laughs> Obviously not Pierre. What was his name? <laughs> oh my gosh! I I picked up some hitchhikers in China, but in 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 the U.S. with the Ural, I actually had a whole new engine in the side and lots of parts plus my suitcase. <laughs> That's awesome. A whole engine yeah. you travel with an extra engine. Yeah, this is just a boxer twin. Jeez, I thought I was. A- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thought I was a prepper. He's like, listen, we can only we can put cinder blocks in here, or we can put an engine in yeah. here. Yeah, step your game up, Bagel. Hey. I'll take the yeah. engine. Thank yeah, you. exactly. He knew I would need it. I yeah. did. <laughs> Sounds like something Bagel would do. Oh, right. Bring all the spare parts you need. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was a good strategy. Bagel was on a cross country trip recently, and he had an issue, and Emma deduced it and said, "Oh, you need a new injector," which he just pulled one out because he travels with those. 
Where do you yeah. pack those? You don't want to know. Prison wallet. It's like a suppository. It was in the under seat storage. No problem. Well, I was close. And some quick questions. How many books have you written? I've um you would think I've written more, but um I've written uh just the American Borders book. Mm-hmm. I wrote a little guide to cycling the French Riviera because I lived there again at one point and I was mountain biking before I went to West Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a anthology called Stories from Elsewhere and I've been working on my China Road Motorcycle Diaries forever. Mm. But you can, I've, stories from that trip have appeared in many motorcycle magazines and travel magazines. I want to make sure we give it a plug. How do people find this? <laughs> you go to carlaking.com. And there's a tab for books. And, you know, I have a hidden uh, tab, and it's Journeys. So if you go to carlaking.com slash Journeys, J-U-R-N-E-Y-S, that lists all of my trips in order. And I have to go back and refer. I don't even know if I got the dates right and to tell you now. you can also go to carlaking.com. You're very funny. And it works also. <laughs> Carlaking works. Carlaking. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I love the look on your face right now. Um, <laughs> Thank you. For so that. many people do that. Something very, there's very a really? there's a phrase that uh, you use that I love um, about your adventures, and that you've you've been in many countries and and ridden many cranky indigenous motorcycles. <laughs> yep. Can you talk that. a little bit more about <laughs> what cranky indigenous motorcycles you've ridden besides the Ural? Yeah, the Ural got me hooked. They, it did because, you know, people helped me. I, I was on the side of the road and I, like China, I had to get dragged to people's homes and I lived in their homes with them. Where yeah. I was going, there weren't very many hotels, right? Yeah. Or mo- even motels. Because uh, you had to stay at the back roads. 52 miles an hour was really a good speed for the Ural at was that it time. paved or dirt mostly in China? Oh, oh well, in China, okay, so... China is, okay, the Ural is the copy of the 38 BMW, okay. right? Sidecar motorcycle, mm-hmm. like Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what's that movie? Great Escape. Great Escape, Escape yes. Yeah. Um, and the Chinese Changjang is a copy of the copy. Yes. yes. That's yeah. one with the plaid seats, right? <laughs> like Scottish and, and reverse. Yeah, and reverse gear. And the Changjang is just, I mean, it's like the Ural is named Ural because it's made in the Ural Mountains and the Chengjang is made um, in the area of the Yangtze River and Emma can say Chengjang correctly in Chinese. Go for it. Oh, the Zhongshan. There you go. Zhongshan. Yeah, not that I speak Chinese. So it's spelled... I've worked on a few. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Hmm. Uh, Yeah, quality control is... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Um, But, you know, I mean, the thing is, it's very, very easy to say, oh, it's made in China and it's crap. And that's not entirely true because um, Chinese manufacturers will make whatever you want. I mean, if you want something really high quality, they'll make it for you. Um, But they're just going ahead in leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. And the stuff coming out of China, particularly the vehicles now, are amazing quality. So, try Emma, can you just go ahead and rip that uh, that candy wrapper open? 
You're killing me with this. Oh, sound. no, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be crinkly. <laughs> I've got. No, Jim has just thrown me a Werther's original, which is easily the Isn't finest candy. It's the now? finest candy in the world, and I promise to suck it and not crunch well, on it because um, they are quite creepy. While uh, you're sucking on that, yes. I, I wanted to take. Oh, quick, God, that's I good. wanted to take a quick break <laughs> and just say, Carly, you know, it's a darn shame that you never did any of your trips. Uh, on a, on a, a truly American uh, cranky indigenous motorcycle, which I think we all agree would American. be a Harley Davidson, right? Or an Indian. Yeah. Because if you did, you could join Fix My Hog. Dang and they it. would tell you how to fix your bike. In fact, does your clutch need adjustment? Have you been putting off installing those new handlebars because you're not sure about the wiring? Do your brake pads, pads need changing? Well, Fix My Hog can help you they have an amazing offer sign up for fix my hogs premium membership with this exclusive i know you like exclusive deals emma it's the exclusive <laughs> motorcycles and misfits deal and get a full year of their premium membership for only three dollars no way way three dollars it's, a, it's, a, it's a bargain i tells you mistake can you believe that carly with everything going on now three dollars you can visit go.fixmyhog.com slash misfits uh, to take care, to take advantage of the great offer. The discount will be automatically applied at the checkout. They have a community of passionate riders who are committed to mastering their wrenching skills. The premium membership will get you access to hundreds of full-length instructional videos led by Master Harley Davidson technicians. We need to get some, um, Emma, uh, get, get you making some videos for them. Uh, their videos are focused on helping you develop new wrenching technique and getting you inspired to complete your new project. So sign up for Fix My Hog premium membership for only $3. Only $3. And just remember to go dot fixmyhog.com slash misfight, misfits, misfights, misfits <laughs> to get your discount. Um, can you imagine what a game changer doing your adventures? Yeah. Uh, would be yeah. like with the resources we oh have now, yeah, and yeah. with like YouTube instructions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's crazy because um, with the Ural trip, David Hoff, who you, you might recognize his name, he writes a lot of motorcycle manuals and how tos. He wrote the first Ural manual, and then I took that and tested it for uh, ten thousand kilometers. So I'm just curious wow. why. Wow. Huh. I would think the Ural uh, manual would be about as heavy as that spare engine. Mm, yeah, pretty much. Should have just yeah. used that. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, no. I well, as a, with the tech, so I think this is almost why I got the bike too, is because I have a tech writing background, and I really did a number on that manual. Hmm. You know, um, especially since it went through four gas tanks, and this what? is why four gas tanks. Wow, what happened to the gas the tanks? Right front side where it was welded um cracked oh uh there was just you know it was just one of those quality control on the manufacturing line problems i uh it would rattle and then gas would be flowing down onto the engine of course which mm. is always fun <laughs> and well, uh, it did that, that on all four tanks you said uh, well okay on three okay. and on the fourth one i'm like Rubber washers and zip ties, yeah. right, are going on that front right connector. Uh, so I don't know why I just didn't do that in the first place. I have a question for you. Um, for anyone right. who has not driven, ridden or driven a I think bike with a side. I'm, I'm going to form the delineation here. Yeah. Oh, good. 
If it is one-wheel drive, you ride it. Okay. If it's two-wheel drive, i.e. the sidecar wheel is driven, I think you drive it. How do you feel about that, Bagel? Hmm. I was going to say if it leans, you ride it. If it doesn't, you drive it. Mm. Mm. You can lean the shit out of a sidecar if you're brave enough. Well, I was going to say, for anyone who hasn't, it's quite an experience. Not always easy to handle. Not always going the way you want it to go. It kind of has a mind of its own. Did you get, would you say, very used to it by the end where it was just a second nature to you or was it always mm-hmm. kind of yeah, a struggle? And my, it was a great upper body workout mm. too. Mm. Right. Cause mm. you know, to, to turn right, you're, it's everything is uh, lighter on the left side. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're flying the chair and if yeah. you turn, mm. no, if you turn left, left, if you turn right, everything is bearing down like on the, on a car yeah. when you turn left, no turning turn right, right, the car will go and turning in the air. Turning right. left, turning you're left. putting the weight yeah, onto the exactly, car. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so that takes a lot of strength, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're going too fast mm-hmm. because it can yeah. break. So what can happen on one side is you can, you know, sort of break loose and skid. And on the other side, you can actually flip the side so, car. Um, I'm actually mm-hmm. sitting next to Carla right. on the Classic Girl carriage. You're in the car right now. And right. I have, I got some biceps, but they're yeah. nothing compared to hers. <laughs> she, I mean, she's like, yeah, you, you strong, Carla. You know, I have to say, though, with those Urals, I've, I've dr- driven one, ridden one on the street. I have no interest to do it again. It's really? like I've done it, but I really want to take one off-roading. Have yes. you guys seen these people doing <laughs> off-road adventures oh, yes. on them? Oh, yeah. That looks Fun. Well, watch the racing, like the motocross racing yeah. with them. Mm-hmm. That's wild, no, and they, yeah. I mean, they do these Russian instructional videos with the jolly music soundtrack <laughs> and these jauntily dressed chaps yeah. riding these things through mm-hmm. streams oh and through muds. Mm-hmm. And adventure people love these things. Was it Carmen Gentile? He also had a uh, you're all with a sidecar when he was where in Afghanistan or Iraq. Iraq. Yeah, he, aban- yeah. he abandoned it there, and I think it was one of the great regrets of his life. And mm. It's parked there. So you you probably learned a lot on that adventure, and a book came out of it. How long did it take you to write the book? Well, uh, I did the trip in '95, and the book came out in 20, uh, 2004. Oh, so I wasn't really thinking yeah. about writing a book, and then you know people kept asking me for more stories, and then I thought, well, you know, it, it's a weekly blog. Uh, so you can't really get any depth or insights overall. So the, I added a bunch of stuff. This sounds like Elsbeth Beard's story. Yeah. Did you not think that it was worthy of a book? I didn't even think about it at the time. I was such wow. a geek. I was like, oh, this real-time dispatches to the internet thing. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. <laughs> I can write these stories. Nerd. And- was it like when you go through LiveJournal or something like that or some kind of yeah. service? It was, um, no, it was O'Reilly and Associates had, had had set this thing up called the Global Network Navigator. Oh, okay. And it was <laughs> a channel. And um, right in the middle of my trip, America Online bought it because they mm-hmm. had email service, but they had no content. Mm. And so my <laughs> I had two great editors, Alan Noren, um, at the first, and then 
the first half and then Michael Shapiro uh, edited the second half of my trip. And I needed an editor, believe you me, because I was really transitioning from a tech writer to a wannabe travel writer and I didn't gotcha. have mad skills right yeah, travel yeah, yeah. writing skills now i teach travel writing yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely a learning curve but there's this amazing structure to storytelling mm-hmm. um if you study writing at all if you're interested uh that you can uh actually almost mathematically dissect a story and yeah. know whether it's going to be good or not right and fill in the blanks so i didn't have that yet yeah yeah, that's awesome. Although, you know, we all are natural storytellers as well. You know, the campfire stories, if we have a point, the lesson learned, the, you know. Well, uh, yeah, we were just, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about Mike and his toilet stories earlier today. <laughs> and his oh, plumbing fiascos. <laughs> oh, no. So in the, in the Elspeth Beard vein again, so you've had, you broke down and had banquets and met people. <laughs> Did you ever actually hit hit your meal? Did you take out an animal no, that was then no, cooked? No. <laughs> no, you know, I don't think I hit an animal ever. That's good. I did have a bird fly into my leg up in Tahoe once, but that, I think that's my only roadkill. All right. I wanted to take a little side trip here. Um, okay. Emma's and, not going to like that. No, this this is Emma's chance to shine. Oh, God. I want to take a side trip because I love this phrase, cranky, cranky indigenous, cranky indigenous bikes. Right. Um, I want to know uh, from Emma. Yes. Can you name other cranky indigenous oh bikes you're familiar with? And let's see if Carla's ridden one. Well, I mean, we've talked about this before, and I've I've always been this huge advocate of this reverence for the domestic product, and it's true in England, it's true in America, and you're presented with a domestic product that might be in some ways inferior to the imported stuff, but people hold it close to their heart because it's made by your countrymen and women. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you know, here in America, we have Harley-Davidson and Indian, which are both fine motorcycles. Um, In England, when I was growing up in the 70s, you would go, every big town would have at least four or five biker bars. Mm-hmm. And this biker bar would be where all the guys who ride the Japanese bikes hang out. And, you know, they all had long hair and wore bright colours. But then the bar down the road was a little darker and older, and that's where the BSAs and the Triumphs and the Nortons were parked outside. And those were the bad guys. You oh, kinda, yeah. You know? The Birmingham uh, Peaky Blinders Yeah, exactly. Set. The Peaky <laughs> Blinders set. But it was always the British bikes... And they, you know, in a lot of ways, they they were a little more serious than the 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 than the import guys. Mm. Um, but now, so now we get into slightly more obscure makes that people haven't really heard of. So um, Spanish, I mean, we all know bull tacos and osas, sanglas, Star, yeah. the police bikes. Anyone heard of no, Sanglass? I have never not. heard of that. So Sanglass was a very, very interesting company. Um, they were heavily subsidized by the government, as a lot of the Spanish manufacturers were. How do you spell that? S-A-N-G-L-A-S. So the early bikes were 500 singles, um, almost mm. exclusively ridden by the Guardia Seville. Absolutely brilliant bikes. And then oh, they simplified cool. it by putting mm. Yamaha 400 twin engines in. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, I see it. This is pretty cool. It's a cool bike. Oh. Yeah. Nice little Almost reminds up me right. of a Laverna. Well, yeah, it's got that kind of feel to it. Um, and what else did we talk about? Um, Portuguese. Casal. C-A-S-A-L. Mm-hmm. Now, Casal was the domestic Portuguese manufacturer right across the road from Spain. Basically made lightweight bikes. Um, one, um, two, fives, ooh. fifties. Um, they made some very, very appealing 50cc bikes, very which are super sports. Yeah, mm. like, like a little cafe hop-around kind of bike. Yeah, if you, if you look up a Casal Phantom 5, it's a great-looking little thing, little five-speed transmission with 50ccs. It's a neat little bike. It's a, like a big bike and a little engine. Exactly. With a cool name. <laughs> yeah, Phantom 5. It's like Fab Freddy and the Phantom now, 5. <laughs> so let's go a little bit further north to France. I mean, we have an Anglophile... A uh, francophile mm-hmm. sitting on. Do they on have a motorcycle? Oui. They do. Um, oh wait, I they, Phil had one. Phil had one in uh, at vintage days. A French the TDM bike. Well, there's a bunch of them. Okay. Um, yeah. He had a dirt bike. France. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're talking France about. is one of the only countries in the world that had a cigarette manufacturer. Produce a motorcycle. Galois? <laughs> Galois? No, Jitain. Jitain. Did you ride one of these, Carla? I did not, but I will now. Oh. Yeah. She put it on her list. Um, amazing looking thing. And again, a super sport lightweight bike. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a company like Moto Bikane, mm-hmm. who made mm. their name making very, very small lightweight step through scooters. I had a bicycle, I thought. Moto Bikane. Yeah. And then suddenly. Yeah. In the early 70s, they come out this thing, the Motor Bikane 350, which is an amazing looking bike. It's a three-cylinder two-stroke hmm. um, with lots of power and marginal handling and lots of fun for the whole family. It's like, where the hell did that come from? Hmm. Um, who else can we talk about? We can talk about yeah. checkers. Well, I find it interesting that. Yeah. We can talk about. Czechoslovakia with the CZ, or as I would say, the CZ. Mm-hmm. Um, East Germany. East Germany with the Moto Jopau. Yeah. Oh, it's the one I was or, talking or about. Like the Jawa. Where did that come Jawa from? Jawa also comes out of Czechoslovakia. From Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, Tatooine, <laughs> I think. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, you get into the Hungarian oh. makes, Pannonia. The Minsk. The Minsk. Mm. Russian yeah. is the Minsk. <laughs> and the Dnieper. Yeah, the Dniepers. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Dnieper, which is an even more agricultural version of the, the, uh, uh, the Ural. I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say, like, Carla, if you wanted to continue your writing uh, cranky indigenous bikes, I think would, Russia would be the mother load, wouldn't it? It would. Well, right? it, what we need, but the thing is, it, not necessarily just Russia. We very much take it for granted here in America that if we regard modern history, and when I say modern history, the tangible, the houses we live in, the roads we drive on, um, the shops we go into, the whole infrastructure, it's really post-Second World War. I think everybody here would agree. Yeah. And post-Second World War, pretty much everybody in America has had access to a car of some description. 
if you go to Russia, if you go to Czechoslovakia, you go to Hungary, you go to Poland, people don't have that option. There simply isn't the yeah, money around. The yep. So motorcycles, and particularly lightweight motorcycles and sidecars, play a huge role in just moving people around. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would suggest that anywhere in Eastern Europe is the mother load. If you want to see the coolest sidecar in the world, look up a Duna sidecar, D-U-N-A, usually stuck on the side of a Pannonia bike. They're amazing looking things. And it was simply so mom and dad and the kids could go out at the weekend. Hmm. Anybody find a Duna yet? Oh, wait. Oh, that's, um, it looks almost like that, like the Vetter uh, scooter. Well, it looks like it's got a damn great rocket stuck yeah, on the front. Yeah, it does. It looks like that's it's got cool. the fr- Studebaker nose on it. Yeah. And that's a Pannonia oh, that's attached to. I recognize that red oh, seat anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There was, there was a German sidecar that had a very similar styling as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's and this this was transportation for the masses. Now, mm-hmm. to a certain extent in England, you could, yeah, okay, you know, people rode Norton Commandos and Bonnevilles, and these were, the, were the, the glamour bikes. But there were thousands of people who commuted to work on BSA Bantams and James Captains and, you know, Aerial Pixies and just very, very mundane, small-capacity bikes Hmm. because there simply wasn't the money around. And you couldn't afford a car, even a used one, but you could afford a little motorbike. Mm -hmm. Very cheap to run. So, um, And, you know, there's the Enfield, which was made by a rifle company. Exactly. Royal Enfield is a very, very interesting company because you've got Royal Enfield who, like BSA, was um, a gun manufacturer. Mm-hmm. You still buy an infield rifle. You can still actually buy a BSA rifle. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the, the gun making... over there, yeah. The gun <laughs> making, certainly in BSA's case, has eclipsed the motorbike case. Mm-hmm. And then you have production in England, and then in 1955, India says, ooh, I'd like to, I'd like to manufacture an infield bullet, please. Royal Enfield says, okay, we'll set up a factory there. And then it kind of splits. And English Enfield kind of soldiers on until 1970 or so, s- 71. And Indian Enfield carries on, carries on, mm-hmm. developing this 19, well, really, a 19, late 1940s design. And they carry on developing and developing it into this amazing thing they've got now. So, and then finally, they're building their own twin-cylinder engine. What's what's the deal with, like, firearms company getting into motorcycles? Is it because they have the well, tooling? Quite, yes. Yeah, it's, all, the it's all about the tooling. Yeah, well, yeah like CZ. Forging, forgings and all that. They're well, let's take, let's, let's take BSA as an example. So yeah. BSA were a very, very small precision gun manufacturer. And then the Boer War came along, mm-hmm. which was the very, very late 19th century. And suddenly, demand for guns was huge because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a bloody war going on. Yeah. And so BSA produced all these all these guns for the Boer War, and very, very good guns. And the Boer War's over. What do you do now? What do we do now? 
sit around and twiddle our thumbs. Well, we're used to precision work and small precision work. Let's make a motorbike and a bicycle. Right. And speaking of uh, what you'll like this, Liza, the British, I believe, check me out here, Emma, because... I well, I don't know what you're going to say. Blimey. The British, the the British, British are so fabulous they, people and kind and generous <laughs> and always very good looking. And well, there you go. Cheeky, though. Exactly. And then when they wanted uh, a force uh, to protect their colony, India, from those people in Pakistan... Yes, that's when yes. they gave them the tooling and yes. the factories. Because remember, if you are a gun manufacturer who suddenly switched to making motorbikes, in time of war, you can switch back to making lots of guns quite quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not piano so, so much. Or maybe so. Yamaha, weren't they a piano? piano, piano oh, Yamaha make a lot of things. Yeah. Yama- back before the war, right? Yes. Yamaha was pianos? Yes. Yamaha and... Um, Suzuki too, right? Yeah, Suzuki made. Uh, uh, no, Suzuki made uh, mills, textile mills, textile mills, yep. and um, what was it? Um, Kawasaki. They were kind of an interesting bunch. I mean, Kawasaki have had their fingers in Japanese industry forever, mm, and they make ships, helicopters, mm. aircraft. Yeah, yeah. Um, heavy industry, all that. Yeah, a lot of the a uh, lot of the heavier Japanese bombers in the Second World War were Kawasaki's. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's just an example of some of the indigenous makes of <laughs> motorbikes, and we're not talking about people who build stuff in their shed, mm-hmm. like John Britton. Mm-hmm. You know, these are these are proper. Well, manufacturers. I, I I know earlier I said that the Harley Davidson was a cranky indigenous bike, but I I do want to change that because I think we also deduced it is the Coleman Pull Start mini bike is truly <laughs> the cranky indigenous motorcycle of America. It's little crank, literally cranking it. <laughs> made, literally. Made, in, made in China, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. you have totally. a portable stove manufacturer who's making a motorbike. It's almost good as a cigarette company making exactly. a motorbike. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Carla, so you've had so many great adventures. I want to ask you, what does the future hold for you? What adventures do you have in the future so hard now i mean um you know i was meant to go my last trip was to thailand in mm-hmm. november 2004 for 2019 oh my gosh so in 2019 i um have some friends who are belgique who live in mm. chiang mai and they have teenagers and they have a million uh, scooters and motorcycles and they explore that area all the time and so i took the took them up on their invitation for a month which was not long enough yeah you know i always thought you know when i was young i would go to you know china and um india and all these hard places and save like thailand and you know hawaii or something all these beautiful tropical beachy places till later but um it's pretty it can be pretty hardcore um Riding in well in that part of the um, that part of the mm-hmm. world. I don't know if any of you have, but mm-hmm. you can definitely go on road. Is beautiful, narrow little roads through jungle, lots of detours through t- farming towns, and 
the villages and the places you sleep. And I didn't go to the beaches because way too far away. Mm-hmm. Very good food, very fabulous, mm-hmm. friendly people. And I wanted to go back this last year, but I have not been able to, of course. Well, or I'm sorry. This year. That yeah. was a wrong answer. I'm sorry. Yeah. The future for you is Pakistan. You think? Yes. I know. Yeah. You got- See, Bagel's do been you- there too. Do you know, I've never, I've never been on an organized trip in my whole life. Okay, yeah. you know, you she wouldn't that? like it. She wouldn't it's like it. It's not she, you're that like a, You're organized. like a feral cat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't do a, an organized trip. You'd be bored to I don't know if I would oh, in a place like that, do you think? Yeah, there, yeah. There's still plenty of chaos to be enjoyed. Yeah, I think <laughs> plenty of chaos. It sounds like it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I hope, it sounds like I hope, a great trip, and I hope, I hope it happens it and that it's... You know, everybody goes and, um, yeah. Hmm. Well, I hope I hope to uh, get you on that trip. But also, I hope that you'll continue to come back and share more stories okay. with us. I'm going to look at my list. I think I have I a know. few left. I didn't even talk about Italy or India or well, around the Adriatic or Baja. That's just going to give people an excuse. <laughs> To go to your website and buy your book. Exactly. Because, I mean, we are limited with time and we can only mm. really get a snapshot of who oh. you are. And I think we've been quite successful <laughs> with that <laughs> because fact. Carla King is actually a pretty cool cat and l- clearly loves motorbikes, which do. makes her okay with us. Yay. And um, is every inch a misfit. Which well, also makes her one of thank us. Thank you very much. Oh, you are very and you're local now, darling. <laughs> and you are a local yokel. Um, <laughs> way back, but son. I mean, I number one, please come back on the show and talk about further adventures. But um, just give a plug. What is going to be the easiest way for any of our listeners to get to information about Carla King and read about your adventures? Yeah, uh, it is at carlaking.com, not carlaking, uh, at .com works as well. You love that license. <laughs> I also have a, a website. I teach people how to write, finish, and publish I was going to say that's an, another service that you do because there's so many people listening to us who maybe have adventures and have always dreamed to share them Travel like right. you yes. do. And you are that conduit yeah. to get people to, to be able to do that, to be right. moto journalists. Ori, what do you say, knock? Uh, Ducati Literati. There you go. <laughs> moto laureate. Uh, moto laureate. Yeah. But it's true. I mean, people have so many stories and I, I just so enjoy pulling it out of them and layering the experiences and getting them to open up on the page to share that universal experience. And I have, I run a Your Motorcycle Diaries workshop that's coming up pretty soon. Cool. And teach people how to write for the motorcycle magazines, uh, gear reviews or travel stories or anthologies of stories or memoirs or blog posts. All of the above. If if you're bored, if you want to come by next week and talk about some more, you've got an open invitation here, apparently. That's I'd love to talk about writing. Yeah. Writing. I'm a writer. A writer. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you for so, pronouncing writer, that correctly. Writer. Carla! Yes, well, I can't. You're within slapping distance. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, my. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Oh nice. Well, um, oh, Jim, you got a quick one? Quick, well, two things. One, if you're looking for something to do, John and I are going to the high desert Nevada uh, mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks, so you can join us there. With I, your think, you'll find it, I think you'll find it's Nevada. 
wait, wait. He just wants to ride my motorcycle. No, I he don't. does. Hold on. We, we, I do want to ask that question. Can you list all the motorcycles that you currently have? Yes. Oh, yes. This is a good one. Well, I have your favorite, the KLR 650. Yes, there it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have a KTM EXC. KTM 350 EXC. And I put a... Yeah, and guess you're going to ooh again. I put a recluse clutch on it. Nice. Ooh. How did that yeah. work? Has, has that served you quite well? Oh, my gosh. You know how when you're facing a rock wall with cactus on one side and barbed wire on the other side and you've got sand pits and rattlesnakes and you do Pooping not want to stall it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Like that. Yes, I know that well. Right. <laughs> Fear. That's a good Very reason. Close. And what else, what else do you got? And I have a KTM 950 Supermoto. Oh, you like yeah, those? You like those? You got a hooligan bikes. Australian sale, by the way, right? You're trying to get rid of it? I am. It makes me feel like a 17-year-old boy. You want that bike. I, I, want I, said, I, I, I have two collarbones, you know? I might. <laughs> you still have two collarbones? I could sacrifice <laughs> the other one. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> we'll talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I have one more question for you that I did not prepare you for. Uh oh. <sighs> Here it comes. Here oh, it comes. boy. Yeah. Oh, God. So, just to know, just know this is a question we have. This ask is a Pierre level all question. All of our guests. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Prepare. Yes. Oh, prepare yourself, um, Carla. And I just want to prepare you that this is a phrase that we use that means, you know, the 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 ultimate, the bike, the your dream bike. So the question is, <laughs> what is your up the butt bike? What that means is a bike that you look at and go, oh, I'd take it up the butt for that, right? There's got to be. Is there a bike that has like been your dream bike? And it could be like. A bike that doesn't exist, or it could be a famous historical bike, or it could mm-hmm. just be whatever your next bike is. But I, I can tell you, I love them all so much. This is mine right here. Is that a Hayabusa? Me. What is that? No, that's a Harley Davidson MotoGP that, bike. What? Yeah. Oh, so cool, right? Yes. <laughs> so what? What bike is it? Like, if I bought a bike right now. What would it be? It would be well, the Ducati it, Scrambler. The no, Ducati. this could no, no. Your up the butt bike is a bike that's almost unobtainable. Oh, unobtainium. Hmm. Yeah. What's a bike that you're like, oh man? I don't even think like that. I I think about the <laughs> Royal <laughs> Enfield Himalayan. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You're in a different crowd now. You know, you oh might my have gosh! Standards I'm gonna have that's to fine. do that next time. Yeah, you're going to have to think about that. Oh, you know, I'm going to stay text awake the at answer. night. <laughs> in the meantime, I was going to ask you, do you ever think about doing photography along with the writing? Do you ever think, take pictures you know, and think about exploring that? I have that? such a hard time with that. I am so busy talking to people that I mm, forget to take their I pictures. Mm. Yeah. Do you, do you, does that happen to you? Or yes. Are you more I go where no yeah. people I'm a, are. I'm, I'm not an observer. Yeah. I'm a mm. participant. And yeah. I always forget mm. to stop and observe. Yeah. And then there's that thing where when you take the camera out, it becomes transactional somehow Mm -hmm. in certain countries. And I just love to, I mean, at the end of a trip, and I almost always forget at the end of a trip, like in Morocco, I got invited to this family's house and I mean, Morocco was the friendliest place to ride. And I was by myself and people were like, what? By yourself? And it Mm -hmm. was amazing. And I wanted to take a picture of this family at the end, but I was just so 
glowing with goodwill and you know just i forgot emma has a, a different problem she takes tons of pictures everywhere mm-hmm. she goes but then she always forgets to take pictures of anyone else they're just <laughs> all of her <laughs> <laughs> but actually funnily enough one of my greatest regrets is not taking more pictures when i was young mm-hmm. because mm. there was we didn't think about it. It then. was harder then, and it was harder because you were dealing with rolls of film and, and yes. expensive cameras. And in any group, there was always the group photographer. Yeah, and in in our group, it was a guy called yeah. Pete, and Pete's kept a lot of this stuff. And it's amazing to yep. look through it. You ever holler and at just Pete and go, sh- "Yo, oh, yeah, yeah." And he'll come up with this thing that's a snapshot in time. Mm. And he'll come up with a picture of me taken in 79 or something. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> that is wild. You put that in your shop during the old war. photos, well, you know? Carla, yeah. since you live here now, I'm sure we'll have another opportunity to find out you're up the butt bike. Yeah. But until then, we're going to answer some emails and see if we can help some other people. Email time. Bagel, you should have yours queued up, ready to go. Yeah. All right. Um. This, this one is, uh, is, I got one from uh, Parker, who says, Hey, Parker. Help a Harley guy. Now, Knock, I know you're trying to get out, but I need your help on this one. This is really <laughs> your department. How okay. Really How really? So he uh, says, Hey, what? Misfits, I have a Sportster and recently purchased a Couch on Wheels, also known as the Ultra Classic. Mm. While it's great for touring, I find it lacking in the zero to 60 department. Mm-hmm. I no longer need to take the sports or on long rides, so I'm thinking that I want to swap it out for a performance-oriented bike. I've never ridden a sports bike, in quotes, so I want to know, would I be happy with a 600cc? Would I kill myself on a 1,000cc? I'm an experienced rider and know my limits, and I'm a bit biased towards Honda, but what would you recommend in the five to 6,000k range? Okay, so he's got a Sportster. He has a Sportster at one point? or he um, If he has an Ultra Classic, I'm guessing he's old enough to ride a leader bike and, okay. and, and stay in control. Emma, probably like about 85 horsepower, 100 What's Ultra that? Classic? The Ultra Classic. Yeah, I mean, but it's the, I mean, but it's, it's, it's heavy. So yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. it's it's When it comes to bikes, it's about weight to power ratio. Yeah. If you have an 80 horsepower bike and it weighs like 400... 50 pounds, it's going to give you a good thrill. Uh, SV650, God, I hate seeing it because that's like the Camry of motorbikes. You'll still have fun on that thing. I've got, I've got the perfect bike for him already. All right, what uh, you got? I have one in mind. 1250 Bandit. <laughs> Twelve fifty bandit. Well, yeah. If you want to, five grand will buy him. Uh, five grand yeah. will buy him the best twelve fifty bandit in the world. Yeah. And if he wants a fuel injected bike, Ninja one thousand. How much? Is, what how much does a twelve fifty bandit weigh? weigh what, like four hundred fifty? Yeah, plus? somewhere about that. Four seventy five. But you sit upright. Yeah. And it's, an it's got. And the thing is, yes, it's a fast bike, and it will flatten your eyeballs when you whack the throttles open, you know but what? it's fun enough to ride just using the torque of that engine. I, I was thinking maybe a street triple, uh, maybe a little Do you remember model? he said he prefers Hondas? Oh. Uh, which is why I'm going to say VFR. VFR is a good bike, but I'll tell you The new VFR. VFR 800 would be pretty cool. Yeah. His, his price range is what, five grand? You five said? to five six grand. grand. I think uh, no, CBR would be good too. Uh, how about if I throw out close to a Honda? CBF 650. Yamaha FC1. 
FC1. You can't mm. go wrong. 100,000 miles plus. It'll. Yeah, that's fuel. how many horsepower? How many? It's going to be night and day, though, coming from that, from that Harley. He'll I be mean, all right. He'll be all right, but I mean, it's. But the it's power- a different kind of horsepower. It's like up there too, though. You yeah. Know? Well, that, and that torque. is why I suggested the Bandit. Yeah. Because you don't have to ride it up there. I mean, yeah. you can get okay. plenty thrills riding a Bandit below six thousand. Yeah. I, and then I, just crap your pants I'd the first time like, you take it above that. Yeah. I'd focus on something that's got similar ergonomics. That's you know, I mean, like four controls to uh, lower controls is probably a better. Mid controls for hard. Mid controls for handlebars. I think I think Carla will back me up on this one. It's not a Honda, but come on, a and like a nine ninety, like a Super Duke. No. Oh no. my gosh. Uh, oh no. If he wants a thrill, no. And it's a twin, so up. it's going to be somewhat the similar. Didn't come up. Versus one thousand. Well, because um, I think I know the Not versus is a twin, but it doesn't really feel like it. Somebody coming from a Harley no, is used to feeling a motor. Versus one thousand is a four. My Ducati nine hundred SS had that uh, that yeah. pull. You know, nine hundred SS would be cool, but they're rare, and like if you find one, hopefully it's you know it's yeah. What, what about a v- what about a V Max? Mm. Mm. V-Max wouldn't be too bad. It's got. I'm sticking with Viffer. That's what I'm saying. Viffer. No, Viffer Viffer would be a good choice. It's just like finding a Viffer for five to six grand. It's a love bike. So be careful. What did you do, Jim? What is that noise? No, it's a choo choo train. The choo choo train. Oh, you turned something on. Um, (laughs) All right. Now, Carla, I'm going to prepare you about for what's about to happen. Uh oh. The very special emails we send to Bagel to read Mm -hmm. for a reason. Bagel, what email do you have? I have an email titled Advice Needed from Hans Hart. <laughs> uh, where, where is Hans Hart? Well, that will be revealed. Hans writes, Dear Misfits, enjoying your chit-chats immensely since a year back or so. Keep up the good work. Located in Sweden, oh. Switzerland, I was said I missed the opportunity to call in last episode for some advice. Having ridden Sportsters, Hugger, and 1200 Sport, that I upgraded to a Buell X1, I'm now riding my dream, the EBR 1190RX, oh. one of only a few over here. Oh, and I kept my X1, which my wife rides while going together. Those bikes are not the question, however. My wife bought a Vespa G250 GTS anniversary two years back. It is a nice little commuter with a few minor niggles. First of all, we find that when turning left, the kickstand often drags on the ground like in a roundabout. (laughs) Is there anything that can be done about that? Replacement parts, etc. Also, I seem to notice a constant tug to the left while going straight forward meaning you need to constantly mind the steering. Either hand must always adjust by slight push or tug. What do you think is up with that? Where should we start investigating? Oh, and one more thing. My up-the-butt bike is Mark Miller's I Love TT EBR. Ooh, yeah. Famous Famous from the video games, currently for sale here in Sweden to the tune of roughly 65K plus VAT. My wife was offended when I asked her for hers. I can't think of why. (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, he also says, uh, if you ever need an interview with someone involved in racing the mules and EBRs, you should hit up Jens at NCCR, mm. who has the Isle of Man TT bike in his office. Super friendly and lots of stories and knowledgeable as few. Yeah. All the best and keep the black rubbery parts down. Mm-hmm. Hans Castle Hard. All right. Thank you, Hans. What would nice. you oh, think, yeah, Carly? You know, Did he do a good job? Wow. <laughs> Just wow. It's like you were there. It's like it is. It's, a, it's like you're there. It is mm-hmm. like you're where I don't know, but well, it's like you're would there. You, would you like something on Barrage with that? <laughs> All of a sudden, there's uh, a St. Bernard in the, so, in the studio. So what do you think about um, his Vespa GTS? So um, I have a few thoughts. Um, first, it wasn't entirely clear what the issue is. Um, if if the, the center stand is actually coming down and... Um, hold on, hold like, on one second. Knock, you got to go? Yeah, I got to go. I get some dinner and walk home. All so. right, see you now. Bye. 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 Instagram. Bye, y'all. Bye, now. All right, so yeah. and So, okay. so, so if the center a... stand... Yeah, if the center stand is actually coming down while you're in the turn mm-hmm. and like like pivoting down and hitting the ground, that's going to be your your center stand springs. There should be two of them, oh. and and oh. what may have happened is one of them broke, and there's only one that's holding it up just barely. So when you get into that turn with this typical horse, it pushes the center stand down. And that's Bagel, why it's I'm I'm going to stop you yes. there. I think he said that's, it was a side stand. Uh, the kickstand. Uh, the kickstand on the ground. Well. Yeah, is it the kickstand or center stand? That's a good question. If it's um, a kickstand, it's well, probably got one of those hokey aftermarket kickstands yes. at ground. And, and that's a very good point because the U.S. market bikes don't come with the, the, the side stand, but the, US, the European market bikes do. So that's a very good point. And mm-hmm. unfortunately for those, they do stick out to the side pretty far, and there isn't much you can do to keep those from scraping other than you could try... Not leaning it over as much. Well, you could try that, you know, try and, and try leaning your body into the turn a little bit more than the bike to offset it. To try, you know, you know, kind of try dragging me a little bit on the scooter. Yeah, Guy it's, Martin style. I like right. it. Right. You know, and that that will give you a little bit more clearance under the bike. Um, well, I, other possibilities are to adjust the suspension, put a little yeah, bit more preload my, on the shocks yes. to well, see if that will raise it up a little bit and give you a little bit more. You clearance. said it had a center stand though, also, right? Well, it does. Yeah. Well, just take it off and use the center stand. No, well, no, yeah, no. there's there's that possibility too. I like center stands. And what about this weight bias to the left bagel? Yeah. What's that all about, darling? Uh, I have advice. Well, take off the sidecar, right, Carla? <laughs> no, <laughs> never take off the sidecar. Well, that one, that usually, from my experience, what that has to do with is the way the the wires and cables are routed down these the the steering tube. Um, there's very, it's a very tight space in there. And if those cables or wires get rerouted in, in a slightly different way, that can cause it to pull to one side or the other. Um, that's actually a problem that I'm dealing with with my cannonball bike. Um, and it causes the front tire to wear out faster on one side than the other. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it, it doesn't really affect anything else other than that. Um, maybe because like when you're riding it, you're just you know keeping the bike straight and you don't even really notice that you're you're counteracting, you know, this this very slight pull. But uh, but that is something that I want to dig into the front end of my mind and try to straighten out. I have a poignant question for you, Bagel. Yes. 
Uh, who who is that in black and white relief behind the blue and white oh, scooter? Is that Pat Benatar? Me? That is indeed Pat Benatar. Well, cool, blimey! Oh, yes, that that is a um, a a painting on foam uh, foam board that came from the Tower Records in San Francisco many oh, many wow. years ago. Huh. And uh, yeah, I'm planning on framing that and putting that up in my house pretty soon. I had such a crush on her. All right. She's amazing. <laughs> so hopefully we answered that. But I also want to say that he may have answered our question for our previous uh, emailer about a great oh. bike, a Buell. If you're a Harley rider and you want someone yeah, to give yeah, you... Yeah, no, I think, I think he needs to step outside the box. Okay. And I, th- I think he needs to get away from the V-Twin just for the change. Okay. Just for the change. Because why have... He's got this... Big touring V-twin, which is great. Mm-hmm. Get something completely different. Get mm-hmm. a four-cylinder bike. I mean, what about you... a used Bonneville? You know, I like uh, Bonneville. But it's not going to give you that like, same thrill. You, he wants yeah, some speed. T- if you get an inline four race bike kind of thing, you know, yes. uh, but you know, a, a, you know, not a race bike version, but an inline four, the it's intoxicating when yeah, you get the RPMs up to yeah. you know, whatever, like on the FC one, it's up eight, nine, ten grand. It's just you start levitating. It's a it's otherworldly. I mean, inline fours. It's intoxicating. It's great, isn't it? It's like it's like you're going down a tunnel, because everything at the side of you starts moving really quick. And it's it's so easy. We've talked about this, but it's like you know, I commute every day over Highway 17 on an FC1, and it's nice now because it's lighter traffic. So you know, I can do 70, 80, no problem. And it's not a dangerous. It's yeah. it's very controlled power. Um, yeah. But it's it's. It's intoxicating, but like, what do we call it? Squirt and go? What were we saying? Squirt. What? The squirt. <laughs> I call it the squirt and go technique. And you need a bike with a certain amount of power to do it. And the way the way you do squirt and go is if you're in multi-lane traffic, you can look four or five cars ahead and you can see your gap. And you just, you go down a gear and give it a big handful and you're there. Oh. And then you go like that. Yeah, it's See, easy as kiss my hand. But you That's need great. you need at least 120 horsepower to do it. The mm-hmm. RF's great at squirt and go. Yeah. Your FC one's great. At I've squirt heard that. And go. I've heard that referred to as the Pierre. I think Pierre flies a helicopter. I think I think I think that's gross. Pierre was just he was very misunderstood. I think he was auditioning for the Italian Spider Man movie. Poor Pierre. We. <laughs> okay, uh, wee wee wee. Little bit peek him out. Lot peek him out. Okay, last. Okay, this is from uh, Don. Hey, Don. Hey, Don. Hey, Don. Oh, no, Don. no, I, I take it back. It's uh, Mike D from SoCal. Oh, Mike, Mike D. D. Boys for danger. You can come and get some of this. Last episode, the question was raised: What to do with a motorcycle without an engine? Yes. AKA parts bikers uh, type thing. Yes, especially Jim's um, bike. May I suggest safely? Dumping it into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just check again. You are from California. Okay. okay yeah. uh, and hey, I know about starting a Moto Misfits artificial reef. Hey. hey. Off the shore of Santa Cruz. Uh, Mike D. SoCal. Right on. Well, you're not the first person to think of it. My kids, when they were like 12, him, they, them and their friends built a wooden ramp off the toilet bowl ledge yeah. over at the lighthouse. So this is a cliff basically that drops off into the ocean in front of the lighthouse. They call it the toilet bowl. 
So they started doing that with bicycles and skateboards. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I was thinking we could incorporate some evil Knievelry with this. Oh. Because we're, we're very, very blessed here in this part of the neck of the woods. We've got this thing called the SS Palo Alto. And the Palo yes. Alto um, was, I think, built at the beginning of the 20th century as a concrete ship. And a concrete ship it is. And it is a concrete ship. Cement ship, we like to call it's it here. The cement right. ship. And it was moored um, just up the road from here, back in the 30s, I think, with a view to being a nightclub. And it's been pounded <laughs> by the ocean. And it's barely a ship anymore. Pacific said no. Not, uh, yeah, Pacific said no, you can't yeah, park that here. And, and you could, like, go bombing down the pier. <laughs> And just like launch, launch into the Palo Alto. It'd be brilliant. It would be. <laughs> it's rebar madness, I tell you. God. It's, Although, it's not a bad suggestion. Start our own reef. So I do like the reef idea. I think we'll just build on it. It'll have it's, to. It's reefy. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to get it properly sorted before we do yeah, dump it into yeah. our lovely I like that. Monterey Bay sanctuary. But uh, Sanctuary. Right. Sanctuary. Emma. You got yeah. an email there to read. I do indeed. And, and, it's, and, it, and just so you know, she always reads them in. British accents. I do. Um, and actually, this is from a Chris Bud or Buddy Chris, who is in England. He's in Gore Blimey. Oh, that just worked Chris. out perfect, didn't well, it? Well, didn't it? Uh, it? Jolly good. Oh, <laughs> jolly. Oh, I've, I've got a joke for you, Bagel. Oh, and you're no. the only one who will get it. Oh, no. oh yeah? Yes. Um, I have a slice of German Christmas cake for you here. Oh, do you? Did you buy it locally? No, it's stolen. Ah. Ah. I know that. <laughs> Thank you. Nein. That's a stolen. That's a stolen. Try the veal. Tip your waiters. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so from Chris. Hi, all. During the past Hello. COVID lockdown, the walls were closing in and I couldn't ride. So to prevent total madness, I bought an old Honda Trials bike to restore. Oh, oh good. fun. Good. Uh, Trials is huge in Europe, um, too. I stumbled across your podcast on Spotify. Very nice. And was hooked. So much fun and just great motorcycle banter. Well, that's us, isn't it? Aye. Um, I enjoyed it so much as I fettled. I bought two more trials bikes to restart and started listening from episode one. Oh, you poor man. Um, <laughs> I'm up to 2015 now and working hard to get up to date. It's about 2015 that I showed up, wasn't it? Uh, it seems so long ago. Yeah, it does, doesn't I it? I thought it was during the Boer War. Was she carrying a BSA? That was the question. Yes, That's right. <laughs> exactly. So, Ducatis, in brackets, don't judge me harshly. Well, you know I will, Chris. Um, and dirt bikes have played a huge part in my life, and I've been riding for 50 years now. So I can relate to all your stories. I'm in the UK. Do you know what the UK stands for? That's the United Kingdom. Mm. Of Mutual of Omaha. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, Emperor Carl Perkins. And so it rains all the time. I have an English joke for you. How do you know when it's summer in England? Hmm, when my wellies are wet. Mm. No, when the rain gets a little warmer. Ha, uh, ha, ha, ha. I was close. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it rains all the time, and we don't have the space you guys do, so I am insanely jealous. Stay safe, shiny side up. Cheers. Chris, what a lovely email. Thank you, Chris. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Yes. Cheers, darling. And uh, good luck with the little um, little Honda Trials bike. What they do have, though, is Wales. A beautiful oh, country. Look I would love to ride through Wales. No, Wales is brilliant. I told you my brother lives in Wales. Hmm. 
Yeah, he's he's always very fond of telling me that his cottage is actually older than America by 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Probably much colder, wow. too. Um, well, you know, it's the funniest thing. The walls on it are so thick. When you look out, you, you're like looking down a tunnel to look out of the window because, mm. the, you know, it's, it's... Is that like peat? Like the stack peat? It's wattle and daub. <laughs> no, it was... Um, <laughs> No, it's actually a stone cottage, yeah. but of course, you know, it's so inhospitable in the winter time. Mm-hmm. And he's oh, yeah. like he's like a hermit. So from like October onwards, he'll stockpile food. So if it snows and he gets stuck in his cottage for a month, it doesn't bother him and he just gets very odd. Mm. And well, I'll call him up on the telephone and think, fucking hell, you're getting very strange, Dave. You need human company again. But they made these really robust houses and the walls had to be so thick and when he first got it it's had a thatched roof on it which is like mm-hmm. made of straw and it mm-hmm. deteriorated somewhat and things living in it mm-hmm. not good things no. so we had to have um the roof taken off and he had uh, a slate was it hobbits did hobbits get in the yeah roof? i think so when okay. you know trolls uh, <laughs> given, up, given up living Golems under bridges and now lived in his thatched roof so he had a a, a, a slate roof put on it which apparently Ooh. is very good you know who else Sounds just beautiful. bought an 18th century cottage in Wales. Oh, my. Hayley Bell! Budget Bell. Budget Bell. Oh, yes. Ah, cottage nice. <laughs> Like cabin stabbing, but yeah. cottage bodging. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you should be seeing, um, she's going to document it, and it should be coming out in theaters next year. It's she's called awesome. Money Pit 2, the <laughs> yes. sequel. <laughs> yes. The Money Pound. Uh, I think we have time for one more. John, do you have one there to read? <clears throat> I do. What you got? This is from John Caps. Hey, John Caps. <laughs> uh, hello, Miss Fitz. Uh, hello, Johnny. I am looking for my first motorcycle. What do you rebel? Oh, that was your first mistake, darling. Asking I am us. Particularly interested in dual sport motorcycles. Maybe a Honda CRF yes. 300L. That's rally. Yes. Kawasaki DRZ 400 or KLX 300. Here's my rationale. I want a dual sport so I can have off-road capable bike yes i see my first bike as just that a first bike so here yes after a few years learning on on the dual sport i would keep it but get a standard street specific motorcycle as a yes. second bike mm-hmm. i have a max budget of seven thousand msrp yes. and i'm average size five foot eleven 32 yes. inseam 190 pounds i live in Fredericksburg, virginia Yes. I don't see myself doing anything hardcore on the Would bike. Would you describe yourself as a handsome man, Johnny? I'm very handsome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I see. Uh, just want to check out some dirt roads and back areas. So I'm worried about getting a small, smaller bike. Uh, would limit where I could go or make it harder for me to keep up with traffic. Most of the secondary highways around me have posted speed limit of 65 or lower. Yeah. I also live near the interstate. I think I would probably have to avoid one altogether. Would the bikes I mentioned above work, or should I consider something else? Any advice is much appreciated. Busa. <laughs> yeah, stretch, stretch higher, Busa. Uh, <laughs> you know, absolutely. You know, I think that the the CRF 300, I mean, I haven't ridden the 300 yet, but it's got to have a little bit more juice than the 250, which is a I, perfectly appropriate good bike, but more so... Um, that's the one bike that neither Jim or I could kill. And listen, let me tell you something right now. We get so tied up in, oh, you want to go on the freeway, you need a big bike, you need this, you need this, you need this. When I were young... The Boer Wars. The Boer Wars. No, <laughs> I had a 250 Kawasaki, a three-cylinder, little two-stroke, rode that thing everywhere. Motorways, freeways, here, there, length, breadth, width of the country. 
Any of those mm-hmm. bikes he mentioned are perfectly capable of doing 65, 70 all day long, mm-hmm. especially the CRF. You know that because mm-hmm. it's quite a big rangey thing. I'll speak. You know, it's funny. I had the 250L rally, right? And a couple of things I liked about that. So I'm 61205. Yes. Right. So that, to give you perspective there, I rode that thing all over the place. It would do 75 miles an hour with yes. Moto Z knobbies at 18 pounds. All day long, so right. I could do seventy-five miles an hour on that two hundred and fifty easily, and I'm you know on a small. And that was stock gearing, right? Yeah, yeah stock gearing. So um, if he, if he well, changed I actually the gearing, dropped right. a counter shaft, shaft a little oh. bit, but even then, so plenty mm-hmm. there. But yeah. here's the thing I didn't think about when I got it was that little wind, that little fairing, the little windshield on it makes a world of difference. So just that little bit of wind mm-hmm. protection, right? If you are going to be doing any freeway riding, boy, is it a lifesaver. Well, and but I was plenty of say, power. I say three, plenty Jim, of power for freeway. Yours. Your CRF 250 rally is for sale. It is. And it's in his range. Yes. Well, He's in for Virginia. Also a very cool KTM Supermoto for sale. <laughs> <laughs> really Yeah, cool. but he could get out the door with a three, 300L yeah. for less than 7K. I like exactly. the 300L rally. For 7K, he needs to walk down to his Honda That's dealer, right. yeah. just plonk the money down, and walk out with a brand new bike. Or the Kawasaki, the KLR 302. KLX. But KLX, yeah. KLX. yeah KLX. I read that, rode that bike. It was great. And yeah. the, 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 the one difference I've seen just in looking at both of those is that the Kawasaki is a little peppier mm. and has um it has better suspension out the gate but doesn't have wind protection if you're actually going to get on right the, on the road at higher speeds no i think the rally i think the rally, rally, rally the rally is the 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 choice for johnny good resale too yes i, I just don't know the how easy it is to find the new 300s those are new finding any motorcycle so i would say even you the, get the 2022 mm-hmm. open yourself to the 250s because what you will get is somebody like jim who has put on all the accessories which as we know you don't necessarily get to recoup your your money when you're selling it used. But when you get one that has all guards and bags and windshields yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. rather than buying new, you're saving yourself a oh, few grand. At least 500 bucks. I mean, a, oh, a yeah. few grand yeah. if you're going to put all these accessories yeah. on. Absolutely. Um, so I would open yourself up to the 250s, which yeah. really widens the range of bikes available. Yeah. And mine was a place like that fine freeway As bike. a first bike, it still is an excellent bike so do you think in virginia they have johns or is it johnny is it a johnny a johnny, johnny hopper johnny. well no called? i mean because virginia it's all about smoking so oh it's I for was, lovers too virginia light i was light me johnny. i was thinking about hollister what are you rebelling against now johnny yeah, what, are what are you, you rebelling against johnny johnny what, what you, you got <laughs> yeah johnny johnny on his rally 350 oh, yeah. are you done yeah, like me um, <laughs> i have some quick announcements to make oh do you really oh. i do well don't bore me uh, if you have not yet got your tickets the black hills moto film festival is happening right now do it the free weekend mm-hmm. has ended but for 10 bucks you 10 can bucks. still get a two-week pass bunch of movies to see all the movies uh we got like 13 hours of movies we're it's almost back on lockdown so come crazy. on this is worth it um, really good films, so go to RevSisters.com. And uh, another thing, just uh, I'm still going ahead with my Pakistan trip, and just for people who may be wondering, in lieu of all the excitement happening in Afghanistan, uh, I would not be going, nor would Moyne be inviting anyone over if we were not perfectly safe. And just a reminder, it's in a completely different country than what is happening in Afghanistan. Pakistan, even though they're on the border, it's as I like to say, if the Russians invaded Canada, would you still go to Yellowstone Park? Mm. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think my response, I'd probably stay exactly. home. Yeah, that's exactly well, right. Yeah, you're right. If the Russians invaded out. Canada, we'd all be like, what the fuck is happening? 
I know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I'm good. And and bagel. I mean, you know, as well as I do, um, that it, we don't have the dangers there that people think that we do. And if there was a hint, yeah. hint of danger, a hint, Moin and everyone else uh, would not. Uh, you know, the government, the local police would not allow us. To yeah. be there and would uh, send troops to protect us. You know, the most yeah, dangerous thing about going on a trip like that is your appalling riding technique. Yes. <laughs> I, I can confirm. There you go. Uh, yeah. And dietary habits. Uh, well, yes. Oh, ga- well, yeah. gas comes in there, too. So <laughs> I think... That wraps it up. Thank you, Carla, for joining us. Rockstar. You Carla, you're awesome. It. You oh made it gosh. through the shit show. I love yeah, thanks, when you Carla. come by and you just sit and just kind of watch the shit show happen. There's a lot to watch. Yeah, but she was up in the shit show. This <laughs> you were, time. A little she bit. Was racing. Well, you gave me little bikes. Yeah. <laughs> Small bikes Don't give fun. me toys. Oh, yeah. We do have fun. Give her toys. Give Mike her toys. was out there telling his stories. And, and yeah, the reason we said that it was like the Benetton ad, because we had... Like mm-hmm. a Harley chopper, we had a, a zero, we had a dirt bike, we had a sp- like we had like everything represented mm-hmm. a mini bike, uh, KTM two stroke, KTM two stroke, like with a kickstand, every pot with a kickstand, every yes. possible mm-hmm. version of any bike was represented out there today. And those are the moments that I sit there and I'm really proud of our misfits community and that we love. All things two wheeled, including scooters, right, baby? Right, right. And dogs. And, and dogs. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, Carla, that you are witnessing that here, and, and I think you enjoy that too. So come on down anytime. You are welcome. Thank you, Will. I yeah. will. I definitely recommend it as a tourist attraction for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, forget Alice's restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> just come on down to yeah. the Misfits Garage. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's ready to wrap up. Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening. Especially thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We love you so much. And uh, also to Fix My Hog for being a sponsor. I really do appreciate what they do and how they're uh, providing resources to to Harley riders to guide them through fixing their bikes themselves and becoming wrenchers. I think there's not enough of them. So good on you for that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, thank you, Color, for coming. I think we're ready to get out of here. Go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. Find the links to everything. And you'll also find our Zazzle store, Recycle Santa Cruz. Where you can buy a T-shirt with a picture of me in bed with a Yamaha. Yes, I showed oh, Carla that picture. Wow, that is a doozy. I love that. <laughs> Thank you, darling. You can get it on a mug as well, you know. Oh, so really? every time you have your morning coffee, you can see you, me. You can also get Lovely. a naked gym mug. Having, you, having done a... Wait, there's a naked gym mug? I haven't is, seen that. And when oh, you yes. fill it up with hot water... Oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> when he fill it up, he does a Pierre. Yeah, just, oh. We have to change the parental controls on this. <laughs> <laughs> just remember, squirt and go. Everyone, thank you. This is Liza. Stumpy John. Emma Darling. Carla King. Make a gym, son. Bagel. And we're out of here. Cool. Bye. Cool. Bye. Cool. Bye.